1: We have a terrific show for you today, including special guest Keith Flaw. He's the co-founder and CEO of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. Dr. George Markovich is an orthopedic surgeon, happens to be my orthopedic surgeon, replaced my hip a couple years ago, and my knees in 2006. I'm so grateful for uh, his taking care of me over the years. And Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples, will be joining us as well. It is January the 4th, and on this day in 1965, in his State of the Union address, President Lyndon Baines Johnson laid out for Congress a laundry list of legislation needed to achieve his plan for a great society. Uh, Michael Harrington had published the book The Other America, and it uh, just pushed a lot of people to believe that they needed to solve the problem of poverty in America and uh, led to this whole idea of the great society. On the heels of John F. Kennedy's tragic death, Americans had elected Johnson, his vice president, to the presidency by the largest popular vote in the nation's history. Johnson used his mandate to push for improvements he believed would better America's quality of life. Following Johnson's lead, the Congress enacted sweeping legislation in the areas of civil rights, health care, education, and environment. In 1965, the State of the Union address heralded the creation of the Medicare and Medicaid, Head Start, the Voting Rights Act, the Civil Rights Act, and the Department of Housing and Urban Development in the White House Conference on National Beauty, Johnson also signed the National Foundation of the Arts and Humanities Act, out of which to merge the National Endowment for the Arts and the National Endowment for the Humanities. All, in my opinion, unconstitutional, but that's another story. Uh, certainly, uh... The government is in the wrong lane by trying to, t- to uh, deal with these problems that really belong to the government or to the uh, states. Anyhow, through the Economic Opportunity Act, Johnson fought a war on poverty by implementing improvements in early childhood education and fair employment practices. He was also a strong advocate for conservation, proposing the creation of a green legacy through preserving national areas, open spaces and shorelines, and building more urban parks. In addition, Johnson stepped up research and legislation regarding air and water pollution control measures. Under Kennedy, then-Vice President Johnson led the government's quest to develop American excellence in sciences. As present, the ongoing technology race with the Soviet Union spurred Johnson to continue the vigorous national program of space exploration begun by Kennedy. During Johnson's presidency, the National Aeronautics and Space Administration achieved the extraordinary and unprecedented accomplishment of orbiting a man around the moon. We've come so far since then, haven't we? Though many of Johnson's programs remain in place today, his legacy of a great society has been largely overshadowed by his decision to involve greater numbers of American soldiers in the controversial Vietnam War. I would say also his legacy is tainted by the fact that really the government got out of its lane. and The federal government is uh, uh, the whole notion of federalism. And and sharing power with states, the states granting power to the federal government, aside from the 18 enumerated powers that's given by the Constitution, it's grown way larger than it should have as a consequence of this great society and the legacy of Lyndon Baines Johnson and his presidency. Well, U.S. Stocks indexes closed 2024's second session down again and extended profit-taking on Wednesday after a strong end to 2023, with minutes from the Federal Reserve's December meeting failing to shake off the funk hanging over markets. Federal policymakers appeared increasingly convinced that inflation was coming under control, with upside risks diminished and growing concern about the damage that the overly restrictive monetary policy might do to the economy. And right now, it's getting harder to find a new job. The U.S. job openings fell in November to their lowest level since March 2021. Now, that's good news because that uh, will probably quell, uh, it could lead to a soft landing, put it that way, with uh, with regard to inflation. And uh, apparently, uh, some economists are saying we're already in a recession, so... And the numbers are, are, are cooked when it comes to how the uh, government and the GDP is performing right now. But that's another story. Well, the U.S. federal government's total public debt has reached $34 trillion for the first time, the U.S. Treasury Department reported, as members of Congress gear up for another series of federal funding battles in the coming weeks. The Daily Treasury statement for Friday showed that the total public debt outstanding rose to $34.001 trillion, From 33.911 on Thursday, the U.S. currently adds roughly $5 billion to its debt each day, and recent estimates suggest the debt will reach $50 trillion by 2033, just a decade from now. The federal government will pay roughly $800 billion to service its debt this year amid higher interest rates, equal to approximately 18% of the 2023 federal revenues Uh, Close to $8 trillion of the total debt is intergovernmental debt that government owes itself, the bulk of which comprises trust funds that pay out Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, and other things. U.S. debt is currently approximately 123% of GDP, one of the highest in the world. A congressional limit on federal debt was suspended in June until January 2025. Thank you, Kevin McCarthy. Not really. Congress returns to Washington next week to tackle the January 19th and February 22nd deadlines for settling government spending through September amid Republican demands to reduce fiscal 2024 discretionary spending below caps agreed on in June. Failure to approve of a one dozen fiscal 2024 spending bills in what we call regular order would put Washington agencies in a shutdown mode, but reaching a compromise could be difficult more difficult with November presidential and congressional elections coming quickly. Now, uh, House Speaker Mike Johnson uh, said on Wednesday that the crisis of the southern, southern border is a disaster. The president's own design, adding that Biden is the authority to fix the problems a group of 64 lawmakers representing 26 states, visited the southern border in Texas on Wednesday, describing the situation that is heartbreaking and infuriating. Johnson called on President Biden to reinstate the Remain in Mexico policy that he ended as soon as he took office in 2021. He also said that Biden administration must end catch and release, which allows illegal immigrants apprehended at the border to be released within the U.S. communities. Johnson said the policy changes would stem the flow of illegal immigrants arriving at the border by about 70% or more. So at first I thought this was kind of a a, a a gimmick for him to go down to the border, but I think it really makes a statement that we have to fix the border first before we pass budgets, before we provide funding to Ukraine or Israel or anywhere else, so I really hope that he has the strength, his background. Uh, he's, he's a good man. I just hope he has the, uh, the fortitude to stand up against the pressure to uh, fund things that we shouldn't fund until we get the border fixed. That should be t- uh, priority number one. Surgeon General General uh, S- Joseph Lapado, I want to call him Lapado, but it gets us Lapado. Uh, Lodipo, I should say, demanded Wednesday that the FDA and CDC halt the usage of mRNA COVID-19 vaccines in humans, citing safety risks. I really, really appreciate these comments that he's made. Lodipo, uh <clears throat> pointed to the nucleic acid contaminants in both the Pfizer and Moderna mRNA vaccines, The Florida Department of Health said in a press release that the presence of simian virus 40 promoter-enhancer DNA, and lipid nanoparticle complexes could pose a heightened risk of DNA integration into human cells. Now, I'm not a doctor. I'm not sure exactly what that means, but I do know that it's harmful. These mechanisms, the department warned, could result in cancer cell development and negative impacts on vital organs, including the heart, lungs, brain, liver, and kidney. Ladapo said uh, if the risks of DNA integration have not been assessed or for uh, RMNA, MRNA, I should say, COVID 19 vaccines, these vaccines are not appropriate for use in human beings. That's pretty direct. Ladapo continued that uh, healthcare providers and offices should prioritize non MRNA COVID 19 vaccines and treatment. The Department of uh, uh, Oxy hydroxychloroquine the department said ladapo has uh, sent a letter to the in december voicing his concerns over finding there are billions of dna fragments per dose of vaccines it said that on december the 14th the fda responded with no evidence of assessment Uh, to the risks posted by the contaminants found in the uh, mRNA vaccines. The Surgeon General also said in a statement that FDA cited genotoxicity studies, which he argued aren't adequate for addressing his outlined concerns. They obfuscated the uh, difference between the SV40, uh, simian virus 40, promoter enhancer, and the SV40 proteins, two elements that are distinct, he said. The CDC has maintained that vaccines are safe and effective, Ladapo was reconfirmed as Surgeon General in 2023, appointed by DeSantis in 2021. In August, Ladapo uh, slammed the notion of uh, pushing the vaccines on children, calling it insane. And in March, nearly a year ago, Ladapo said he doesn't believe anybody should take the mRNA vaccines over their terrible safety profile. Studying the safety and efficacy of these medicines, and medications include vaccines is an important component of public health, he said. Far less attention has to be paid to safety and concerns of many individuals that have been dismissed. These are important findings that should be communicated to Floridians. So happy that he has. We should all take heed. I think he's a very smart and well-intentioned doctor, former endowed professor at UCLA, as I recall. Uh And uh, his advice to us is far more, I think, less politicized and uh, more accurate than what we find from the CDC or the FDA. Well, at least uh, 95 people were killed and more than 210 wounded yesterday after a pair of bombings at the Iranian cemetery in the southeastern city of Kerman. The attack took place uh, during a memorial near the gravesite of General Soleimani Soleimani, and the former leader of the country of the Revolutionary Guard. He was killed by a targeted U.S. drone four years ago, you may recall. No group has claimed responsibility for the explosions, which reportedly were triggered 20 minutes apart. The attack, Iran's deadliest since 1979, the Islamic Revolution, comes amidst spiraling tensions in the Middle East. Iran has long supported a network of Shia Muslim militant groups in the region, including Hamas, in the Gaza Strip, and blasts coming one day after an Israel strike killed. Uh, Hamas leader in Lebanon. Analysts say it's unclear whether the bombs were linked to the co- uh, conflict in Gaza. Iran is grappled internally with attacks from anti-government and Sunni militant groups. So this only escalates the tension in the Middle East, and which is quite concerning right now at this point. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Keith Law, co-founder and CEO of the Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob
1: Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Bee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulubees.com and stop by Lulabees Diner, open from 8am until 2pm, 7 days a week and now serving dinner 4-8pm, to 8 p.m., Wednesdays through Saturdays a terrific menu Lulabees Diner, in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads stop by Lulabees Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool, rockin' good time
0: Forty-five, forty-one. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in the commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Naples Mayor, former Mayor Bill Barnett. Right now, we have with us Keith Flaw. Keith is the co-founder and CEO of a terrific organization it's called the Florida Citizens Alliance. Keith, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Uh, good morning, Bob. Good morning, Keith. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance.
2: Uh, certainly. Uh, we're a grassroots organization. I've been around oh, <laughs> 10 years or so. You were part of our founding uh, organization back in uh, two thousand and thirteen yes uh, we focus on k through twelve education um, and to us that means really uh, promoting uh, the ideals of uh, parental rights, um, school choice, and trying to stop the indoctrination. so we're very involved in the legislative cycle uh, we work uh, aggressively trying to help local communities build effective teams to to engage their community in, in what's going on in our government schools. And then, of course, solutions. We are very involved in in uh, providing alternative solutions, which include our micro-school initiative to help uh, Christian moms and dads uh, get out and, and, and create their own micro-schools.
1: Terrific organization. I must say, over the last decade, public education in Florida has improved immensely, in no small part because of the uh, a work of Keith Law and uh, Pastor Rick Stevens of the Florida Citizens Alliance, doing terrific, great influence in Tallahassee with regard to the uh, Department of Education, the governor, as well as uh, the state legislature. Speaking of which, Keith, uh, of course, legislation opens. I think the session starts on the 9th, if I'm not mistaken, in uh, Tallahassee. Correct. Yeah. And uh, speaking with the Kathleen Pasadova, she said there's over a thousand bills that will be filed, maybe a couple hundred that might get passed. So... Uh, where do you stand with regard to public education?
2: Well, up until this week, we've had about forty bills that we've been evaluating uh, filed, and uh, and this just this week alone, there have been twenty new, bi- twenty-eight new bills filed. So, wow. we have a team of six of us headed up by uh, Christina Heuser, who's a constitutional attorney, uh, and a mom. Um, but the six of us have been uh, actively reviewing those bills. Uh, We will sort, uh, we have sorted the ones we've already looked at, and we will sort these new ones into basically three categories, um, you know, strongly support, strongly oppose, or um, somewhere in between. Mm -hmm. And then we do action alerts um, on the bills that we strongly support or oppose. So as the bill starts to move through committees and all of these bills will uh, be assigned to multiple committees in both chambers, um, and as they move through that committee process, uh, if it's a bill that we strongly support or strongly oppose, uh, we'll put out action words to our 260,000 plus base to uh, to make it very easy for, uh, you know, individuals of care to add their voice to what we think ought to happen to the bill.
1: Very effective. So, it's that's such an important strategy when it comes to uh, passing legislation. Do you communicate at all with legislators during the uh, during the session?
2: I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't understand. No, the question. do you
1: do you communicate communicate at all with legislators during the session? In other words, do you uh, work to influence their votes while uh, while the things are going oh, on?
2: Oh, oh certainly. Um, and we have to be careful because we're a 501c3, so we advocate for legislation. Um, both pro and against. Yeah. Uh, we have built relationships with a number of, uh, legislators, some good and some bad, I might say. Yeah. Um, because, uh, we oppose to some of what they're doing. But yeah, we have a, a full time person on our, uh, our team now, uh, Ryan Kennedy, who is our policy and advocacy guy. Uh, he'll be in Tallahassee every week, uh, during this session. Uh, mm-hmm. Pastor Rick and I'll go up as needed. Uh, we, I've already been up there four times, but yeah, we meet with uh, with leadership that uh, involved with bills that we're we're trying to either move or kill, and uh, and so yeah, we we yeah. play a very active role in, in in that
1: aspect. Can can you give us a couple highlights of the things that you really support in this next next legislative legislative session?
2: Well, it was a, a charter school bill that is done our strongly support. And there's a number of other bills that are still in limbo where we're looking to support um, bills that we've actually uh, helped write. Mm-hmm. Uh, they haven't been filed yet. So we've got two days uh, to get them done. Um, and and those, uh, you know, include, and I don't want to get too detailed, but those include putting some um, changing our, 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 criminal statute uh, so that to p- p- Books that have, quote-unquote, literary value, um, it's called the Miller Test, uh, have no literary value, with, uh, aren't allowed in our school just because uh, they have literary value. If they have pornography, they should be disallowed. And so um, we're working on an opt-in, opt-out bill. Um, so those are a couple of bills that we're strongly supporting. Um, on, the, on the other side, there's been a number of bills Uh, Particularly, and you mentioned uh, Kathleen Pasadomo, the Senate president, is pushing uh, some bills that would uh, deregulate um, our government schools. And to some degree, we agree with that. Mm -hmm. But some of the uh, uh, it's actually three bills. So they're um, huge bills. But as an example, one of those bills would uh, take away the requirement uh, for holding kids back who can't read at the end of third grade. And what that means is, is, if a kid gets to the end of third grade and can't read, a parent can step in and override the school's position and advance that child. Well, mm. uh, we're strongly opposed to that. We uh, we actually think that retention ought to be at grades one and two, not all the way up to third grade.
1: Wow, well, I certainly but, agree uh, with
2: that. But I and I understand the concept <clears throat> of parents' rights, but parent, uh, but the. If you are going to advance a child because a parent believes their child should move on, who can't read, uh, you've got an illiterate child in a classroom of twenty other students. Where do their rights come into play? Exactly. so in Keith, now
1: you've got a you've got a uh, an important uh, gala coming up in March. before I sure. let you go, I want to make sure that we uh, talk about that.
2: yeah uh, it's a big event. It's our fifth annual gala event It's. Uh, one that we use to to raise the money to support what we do as a not-for-profit. Our two speakers uh, are Dinesh D'Souza um, and uh, Kanye Boyak. uh, The the name Kanye Boyak Boyak may not leap off uh, most people's minds, but um, many people have heard of the Tuttle Twins and he's the founder of the Tuttle Twins. So Hmm. uh, those are our two uh, keynote speakers. It's March uh, 13th. Uh, It'll be at the Ritz on the beach. And... uh, you know, it's it's our big uh, uh, fundraiser for the year, so we invite people to come have a a, a fun evening um, and uh, support what we do.
1: Absolutely, and I understand that Alfie Oaks okay. is contributing a hundred dollar gift certificate of seed to see the table, which is uh, when you buy a ticket. So uh, you want to take advantage of that too. And uh, again, this is a great organization. Support them financially. If, if you can't even go to the gala, uh, but if the gala is going to be terrific, I hope you'll go to the, the website, goflca.org, goflca.org. Get some tickets and uh, enjoy the wonderful evening and support the Florida Citizens Line doing terrific work to support public education in uh, Florida. Keith, I really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you, Bob, and uh, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, that and more, right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
1: Are you looking to buy or sell a home? and offer that complimentary concierge service to your potential buyer. This hands-on approach has helped them set several sales records in Pelican Bay and many at near-record prices. Megan and Matt Chionis understand that as an affluent buyer-seller your needs and desires are unique. You deserve this level of service. Megan and Macchionis are passionate about the Naples lifestyle and they want you to enjoy it too. Call Megan and Macchionis with Gulf Coast International Properties at 239-269-5310. That's 239-269-5310. you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help.
0: Bob Harton.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Tim Garrett. He is a candidate for Kaya County Supervisor of Elections. Tim's a 33-year resident of Kaya County, a military veteran, a retired Sheriffs officer, and a graduate of the FBI National Academy. He stands for safe, secure, ethical elections in Kaya County. He's a terrific guy. You vote for Tim Garrett and check out his website, votefortimgarrett.com. Paid for by Tim Garrett Republican for Kaya County Supervisors, uh, Supervisor of Elections. Coming up, i going to visit with Dr. George Markovich. Right now we have with us Seton Motley. Seton is the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us.
3: Good morning. Does your uh, candidate, uh, how many times does he uh, endorse voting in each election?
1: How many times kidding. has he endorsed voting?
3: I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Once, twice, three times. Yeah. Well, times?
1: he's he's never run for this office before. He's recently retired from the sheriff's office, and and again, I he he and I have been interact, interacting for years. He's been a guest on my show when he was a captain in the uh, sheriff's office. So, anyhow, that's that's uh, his story. No, it's
3: uh, no, I, I'm not I'm not making fun of him. I'm making fun of the. The process. Ridiculous election laws around the country. Exactly. Um, yes. So, See, now, here,
1: here's the thing. Last week we had a conversation about government shutdowns. And It looks like one may be imminent. We don't know. But uh, it just occurs to me that everything that's bad that's happened in expanding government here in the United States has happened when Congress is in session. Maybe a shutdown
3: well, there's is... Well, yeah, there's, there's a guy, I can't remember his name. It's been years since I've been in, the, in these meetings. But there's a guy who runs a a, an investment advisory company. Yeah. And what he does is he buys when Congress is out of session and he sells when they're in session.
1: I'm sure he's made some money for his clients doing that. He's
3: he's consistently up. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And and you know it's so hard to judge anything now because, like you said, we just teeter from crisis to crisis. As far as the budgets is concerned, I just saw some idiot on CNBC, some Democrat, whining that we're tying the spending to border funding and Ukraine funding and and, and uh, Israel funding and all that. And my, I'm screaming at the television, you know how you solve that. You go through the budget process, right. you fund the government for two years, and then you do all the other stupid stuff you want to do. Right, um, and, and without this, you know, lurching from crisis to crisis on, on, and of course, as I said in the in the piece on Monday, they don't the, the twelve appropriation bill budget process. They don't want to engage in it because, of course, then you're debating all the money they're spending. Right, with when you're going from when when the preeminent concern is, oh my goodness, we need to pass con- another yet another continuing resolution, or the government shuts down. Well, then, that becomes the focus. Is the government going to shut down? And you pass a continuing resolution, which is unexamined continued spending on on a six trillion dollar year budget. You know, and it's not just—it's not even even. It's you know continued spending at this level plus three percent here, plus five percent there, plus six percent over here, um, and and that's how you get to be thirty-four trillion dollars in debt. In fact. I'm, you know, again, these alleged media professionals, I'm watching CNBC, and they actually somebody actually asked about the debt and got it wrong by a trillion dollars. <laughs> it's so, it, it, he said $33 and went up to $34 trillion on the 29th of December.
1: You know, um, I, I, I thought the, the visit to the border was a kind of a photo op when it first happened, but right now I'm beginning to realize this may be important to kind of set the pins for... Oh, no,
3: listen, I don't... Look, whenever someone says something like... I don't like what Republicans are wasting time by voting on X when they know the Senate isn't going to pass it. Yeah. I'm not, I'm like no. Yeah. You want to vote for something that the people want right. and then show the Democrats voting against it. Right. That's
1: exactly That's, right. And and my concern my hope is that he has uh, this is Mike Johnson, I like him a lot. I think he's a good man. My hope is he has the backbone, has the wherewithal, and the uh, the s- strength and the conviction to make sure that we uh, Get the border straightened out before we pass anything else, even the uh, uh, funding for the government, and then uh, pass these, follow regular order for what is it, the first time in 25 years?
3: And here's again, elections have consequences. Here's the problem say we double borders and custom enforcement's uh, budget, Biden's the one implementing the spending.
1: That's right. No, that money's, in fact, they've said already that money's not the solution.
3: Right, right. We there's, need to. We there's, need. Like, 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 Remember when? Remember when the Biden administration asked? Oh, look, the Biden administration is asking for increased border funding. Yeah, more, you know, government lawyers to to process the amnesty request, not to stop the invasion, but to process them in faster and more efficiently. Well, it's kind of like
1: yeah. a walk on wagon for the illegal immigrants, quite frankly. Well, so
3: I always, I always said, I think uh, even Rush Limbaugh stole this from me. The, 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 well, at the time, it was the Obama administration. Like I said they're the last leg in the, uh, child, in the uh, cartel uh, relay race yeah. to get into the country. The last, the last leg is the Biden administration and uh, the Obama administration. You know if, you, if you're mad at child trafficking, who's making it easier on the, last, on the last step of the process? The Biden administration. If you're mad at fentanyl coming in, who's making it easier in the last step of the process? You know, it doesn't matter. Look, first of all, our amnesty laws—they always say, "Well, our amnesty laws." The amnesty laws require you to go to the next safest country. Yeah, which means anyone south of Mexico can't come to the U.S. on an amnesty claim. Right, because they're supposed to stop in a in, a, in the you know in the next safe country, which would be Mexico. Right, and that's what part of what uh, Trump's remain in Mexico policy was. You know, fine. You want to come in and apply? You sit on the Mexico side of the border and wait, and that's the that's the that's enforcing the existing amnesty laws. You know, I'm claiming amnesty from Syria. How many countries did you walk through,
1: <laughs> or, or from China? <laughs>
3: right, from, yeah, right. How many countries did you walk through between here and chi- China or Syria? Right. Uh, that you. Um. So yeah, it's 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 not just the. Oh, we need to change laws. No, we don't. We need to enforce them. And like you said, we don't need more money. We need to spend the money we're spending better than we're doing.
1: Absolutely. Seton Motley, again, the founder and president of Less Government. I hope you visit the website lessgovernment.org. You can also visit Less Government on Facebook. Seton, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us.
3: Vote early, vote often. Thank you.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Seton. All right, coming up, we am going to visit with Dr. George Markovich. He is an orthopedic surgeon. He replaced both of my knees in 2006, for which I'm very grateful. And just a couple of years ago, he re- replaced my hip. And uh, I'm just so grateful for what he's done for me. And uh, so we're going to visit with him. We're going to do that and more right here on The Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Harden Show here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network.
1: Two thirds of parents prefer educational options for their children, with forty percent strongly preferring options for their child's education. School choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America.
0: Back to the Bob Hartman Show. And now here's your host, Bob Hartman.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on their board. They prepare elected officials to have winning strategies in the legislature. You can find out more by visiting the website thefga.org. Coming up, I'm going to visit with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now, we have with us Dr. George Markovich. He is an orthopedic surgeon. He replaced both of my knees, as I mentioned before the break, in 2006. And he replaced my hip. Outpatient treatment that was unbelievable just a couple of years ago. Dr. Markovich, thank you so much for joining us.
4: My pleasure, Bob. Happy New Year.
1: Happy New Year to you as well. So I want to get your thoughts. Uh, Claudine Gay has uh, finally decided to step down and uh, remove herself as the uh, president of Harvard University. What are your thoughts?
4: Well, my thoughts is, are that she didn't deserve the position to begin with. You know, I mean, had nothing to do with meritocracy. And, and let me just go back a little bit, Bob. My best friend went to Harvard in high school. I visited him. I did graduate work at Harvard, spent some time at Harvard co- College, but mostly at Mass General at Harvard Medical School. I'm familiar with... Harvard and it has become something completely different and she represented that difference mm-hmm. and when she <clears throat> was in front of Congress and answering questions with the, you know, minion lawyers that prepped her right behind her, nodding her their head collective heads as she spewed rhetoric that I just couldn't believe would come out of an intelligent uh moral person. Um, I was really taken aback. Yeah. Um and, and so you know, that was one issue, and then it turns out she only wrote 11 papers. Uh, you know, Larry Summers, she's not. Um, John Silber, President Silber, she's not. Uh, writing 11 papers and being, uh, you know, uh, suggestive of plagiarism 50 times uh, representing uh you know, uh, movements uh, that make no sense. I mean, when you're espousing genocide and students are turning on other students uh, for things that, you know, they don't have anything directly to be involved with, um, it's just wrong, and it's a violation. And and like the uh, president of the University of Florida and others came forward uh, and (laughs) stood for, you know, morality... Uh, and humanity, uh, she and others like her did not. And I think that she should lose her position, which she resigned. She should lose her tenure. She should lose everything, and people like that also should lose it because meritocracy is the way of advancement. It's your character and what you do that really should promote success and honor in society.
1: Yeah, it's kind of yeah, I, I agree with that. I'm so happy you brought that up because to me it was seemed to me that uh, finally they've arrived at the right decision, but now they're going to keep her on as a professor, of tenured professor, as I understand it with uh, income close to seven-figure income at Harvard University. And uh here's a woman that probably shouldn't even have a PhD because she plagiarized the materials uh from uh I now I've forgotten her name, but she's a great professor a great woman, but nevertheless, the point being is that what kind of an example is this for students at Harvard University? Uh, in my well, mind-
4: it's an, it, I agree. It's, it's no example. But, you know, again, plagiarism, <clears throat> I mean, we've got a president sitting in the White House that right. uh, abandoned his earlier presidential campaigns because he plagiarized uh, in the 80s. Um, it's wrong, um, and it's inexcusable. Um, I think that there's a lot of things going on that uh, suggest that people misrepresent themselves, um, and it's due to ideological beliefs that, quite frankly, uh, are detrimental and dangerous. Uh, so, you know, I think she just represents something that hopefully, you know, uh, society is pushing, pushing back on and our country can uh, get a better footing as a result. The educational system... Is rotten. Yeah. I told you I spent some time there. I spent some time in the library. I've seen pictures of the library lately, which uh, <laughs> I, I just can't believe what I'm seeing. You know, students wearing costumes and you know hateful rhetoric signs are posted everywhere. And these are students that are in their formative years. They're 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 trying to figure things out. And and quite frankly, Bob, you know, getting into these elite colleges has become gamesmanship. You know, somebody wrote had to be a straight-A student a few years ago. Good book. I read it to my kids. I read it. I was a straight-A student. And, you know, I I think that it's about time management.
2: Mm -hmm. I
4: think it's about understanding certain principles, looking at patterns, and giving professors what they want. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of ways to do that. And the people that have been coached and, you know, took preparatory classes, they have an advantage. And, and the, that advantage is seen in terms of getting into some of these elite universities. Now, there's a difference between learning and, uh, you know, um, getting fed uh, information uh, that, that influences you. Um, learning is critical analysis. Mm-hmm. You know, when somebody says, I am science, and nobody can refute what I say, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And
1: so... That if, being if uh, get into, Dr. Fauci...
4: Right. And so, uh, you know, that's a Cornell grad. Um, I think we have to revisit everything, um, and maybe this is the beginning.
1: Well, maybe the maybe the good side of this is the fact that, you know, this is a pure identity politics. She got the job uh, because she you could check off the list. You know, she's black, she's a woman, whatever. Point being, there's a lot of black people, by the way, that are more qualified than her. They could do a great job. But unfortunately, uh, she you know, this is what we ended up with when uh, you make those standards the most important, and uh, the consequence is that uh, now it's tarnished the brand of Harvard University. I don't think this is going to go away uh, quickly. In fact, I've understand that at Harvard, uh, early admission applications are down from the previous year, and further, those that are accepting early admissions <clears throat> are declining.
4: Right. I've heard that, too. And it seems that the reason uh, they're declining, at least my understanding of it, is that they don't want to be associated with uh, a direction that might put their future uh, at risk. So there's a lot of successful people, many of them Harvard grads, that look at people signing petitions and, and, and supporting movements that are hateful. Uh, murderous uh, and against, uh, you know, morality, and they don't want to offer them jobs. It, it may not be that they really believe differently. They just want to be not associated with that uh, so that they can get, you know, good jobs and good futures. Look, whatever the incentives are, I think it's a good movement because I think we need, really, really do need to visit, uh, revisit uh, the function of the educational system and learning the right things
1: absolutely doctor and, and the fact of the matter is that uh, you know the uh, whole notion of uh, uh the admissions and uh, favorability of one race over another i mean that's been knocked down by the supreme court and uh, it's now these, this is kind of the residual effect of it and hopefully people will learn the lesson that this just does not pay off i mean can you imagine saying you know i went to harvard Coming out of being a, a, a new lawyer, coming saying I, I came out of Harvard, and and expect somehow that, that people are going to say, wow, that's pretty impressive. No, it's not impressive. <laughs> people are not going to be impressed.
4: Well, I, I do think that there are impressive people that that oh, go sure. to that university, but their voices are being squelched by these you know very loud, boisterous uh, people espousing things that you know are irrational. Yeah. Um, I think that you know when when you're looking at things critically and analyzing them, things have to make sense. Uh, You know, when um, any issue, uh, I can look look at Gaza, I can look at, you know, political meritocracy, you know, other countries admit people into their country based on merit, based on what they're going to, you know, contribute um, over time. Uh, You can't just you know, uh, flood a country and and expect it to go further. Right. And, and so I, I think that a lot of things don't make sense. Uh, hopefully, moving forward, uh, people will start learning uh, factually based information. That's my hope, uh, that they can critically analyze and determine, you know, what makes sense for them and what doesn't. You know, that changes depending on whether you're 20 years old and 50 years old. That's normal. But things have to make sense. You know, the Ten Commandments made sense. That's right. And unfortunately, a lot of things, you know, that are happening now with TikTok and other things that we, you know, talk about and you talk about certainly aren't making sense.
1: So true, Doctor. Now, before I let you go, I do want to just acknowledge the fact that you've done so much for me in terms of my health. If any of our listeners are struggling with uh, pain, joint pain, sore sore knees, uh, ankles, uh, shoulders, whatever it might be... uh, don't don't live in pain get some. Uh, dr markovich nursed my situation along for a couple of years before uh, i decided it was time to get the surgeon i asked him you know please replace my knee. i can't take the pain anymore so uh you can go call dr uh, markovich at uh no uh, i forgot the phone number
4: Four eight two five three nine nine. uh thank you so much bob 4- and, and listen that's that's what i love to do Four eight two five three nine nine gets us into our offices. We just merged practices with a wonderful group. So there'll be more of us uh, being able to provide care in in Southwest Florida. And, um, you know, I think that it's a privilege and an honor to do that. We treat everybody the same. You know, I've said before, when I'm in anatomy lab and somebody doesn't have skin, everybody's the same. And, And that's how we should treat people. And you can learn something from anybody. And I wake up every minute of every day uh, with that thought in mind of just helping people uh, any way I can in terms of uh, trying to alleviate pain and improve function and hopefully longevity with quality of life.
1: Absolutely. 482 is the phone number. Doctor, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples, that and more, right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
1: You have questions about your retirement?
0: to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, a building a 44,000-square-foot performing arts center in downtown Naples. It's going to be fabulous. going to be opening this year, later this year. Also, putting on some terrific professional performances. I hope you visit the website. Get some tickets to some great performances coming up. The website is golfshoreplayhouse.org, Playhouse. Dot org. Well, you may have heard that uh, names of numerous people who have interacted or had ties to deceased sex criminal Jeffrey Epstein were released yesterday, detailed in a newly unsealed documents produced from a 2015 a lawsuit in the case uh, Epstein victim Virginia Gu- Guilfri probably mispronouncing that, but accused Epstein Associate Ghislaine Maxwell, serving 20 years in prison for sex trafficking, of defamation. Individuals, many of whom had previously been linked to Epstein, were referenced throughout the emails, text, depositions, and other materials presented during the suit. Those mentioned include retail mogul Les Wexner, Britain's uh, Prince Andrew, uh, lawyer Alan Dershowitz, and more, uh, the site for the documents kept crashing, but you should be able to access them if you type in the uh, the website into the uh, archive.ph or web.archive.org. Web.archive.org, you should be able to find uh, the documents. The uh, lawsuit uh, doc dump was also contained information on some of the Epstein's accusers, and it may include prominent individuals who did not end up Entertaining his businesses or business lifestyle, uh, allegedly espionage pursuits. So, I wouldn't automatically consider every name in the files to be evidence that they were complicit in his operations, and they certainly weren't. So, some of these people may have been just mentioned in passing. I know that uh, Bubba, uh, Bill Clinton, was mentioned uh, 50 times or so, and one of the quotes was that uh, he liked young girls. Don't know what to make of that, but uh, anyhow, uh, I'm waiting for the details to come out until we have more substantive stuff to talk about. A handful of the remaining names will be made public on January the 22nd, according to the judge. While state capitals around the country were evacuated on Wednesday over a series of threats, officials working in the state capitals of Kentucky, Mississippi, Georgia, Connecticut, Michigan, and Montana were evacuated from their buildings or went into lockdown after receiving bomb threats. Authorities have not immediately found explosives or other incendiary devices at any of the respective locations. There have been multiple bomb threats to state capitals around the nation, Georgia election official Gabriel Sterling said on Twitter. Do not jump to conclusions as to what is re- who is responsible. There will be chaos agents sowing discord for 2024. They want to increase tensions. Don't let them. The threats were first received by secretaries of state across the U.S. in a mass email sent Wednesday morning, according to The Hill. It isn't clear who sent the emails or how the threats were connected. So uh, more mischief on the part of these. You may have heard about the, uh, the swatting that's going on right now. So... This is simply mischief to create create tension and make things difficult. Uh, Hopefully, they'll catch the people that are perpetrating these crimes and have them uh, get due process and uh, suffer the consequence of their bad actions. Well, the uh, pandemic-induced supply chain disruptions caused many companies to scale back on the number of products they offer uh, as they prioritize efficiency over variety. Though the logistics nightmare is decreasing, most of these companies have no intention of bringing back all the options they once had. The coronavirus outbreak showed them it was unnecessary to satisfy every possible customer demand, and many customers don't care about the limited assortment. The result is that many big-name brands sell fewer products in fewer colors and flavors than they did a few years ago. Uh, Malouf, for example, a furniture uh, retailer, now sells beds and bedding in a fraction of the colors they used to offer. Similarly, Sharpie Maker, uh, Newell Brands, has uh, required, uh, retired 50 types of Yankee Candle. Every Coca-Cola sells half the number of r- drinks it once did. Larger grocery shops are now reducing fresh fruit offerings such as fruit, dairy products, and deli meats by 15-20% to 20%, according to Shelf Engine. Uh, Ina Kutsunetsova, CEO CEO of Tools Group, a supply chain planning and optimization company, said today people would rather lose a portion of consumer demand as opposed to spend extra on too much variety. Well, that kind of makes sense, doesn't it? But uh, nevertheless, if you're wondering why you're seeing fewer uh, varieties and options when you're shopping, that's the reason everybody's uh, cutting back on choices. That's what the Soviets did, isn't it? Oh, well. Well, Israel killed uh, Salih al Aruri, Hamas's deputy political bureau chairman and founder and commander of the terrorist organization Military Wing, in an airstrike in Lebanon, according to reports from both Hamas and Hezbollah. Uh, al Aruri, who is uh, considered the de facto leader of Hamas' West Bank Military Wing, was in Ber- Beirut's uh, suburb when he died, and five other people were killed in an explosion as well according to a Lebanese government's national news agency. Israel has not publicly commented on the alleged strike as of the press. In November, uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu ordered Israel's top intelligence agencies to hunt hunt down Hamas leaders all over the world after the October 7th terrorist attacks. And this evidently is a result of uh, that that, uh, order. The building that was targeted in Lebanon housed a Hamas office, according to uh, a Q- uh, a Qatari funded outlet. Al Aurori, 57, had spent years in Israel prisons for his activities in Hamas, but was released in March 2010 as part of Israel's aff- efforts to release kidnapped IDF soldiers. Gilad Shilit. Uh, Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu has recently indicated Israel would target Hamas leaders located around the region. And then Israel Defense Forces also claimed to have captured headquarters in. Uh, Gaza City yesterday. Headquarters. An estimated 80 percent of the northern city's structures have been damaged since the start of the war. With over 22,000 Palestinians have been killed, according to Hamas-run health ministry. Now that uh, the health administration of Hamas, you got to wonder about how much of that is propaganda. We just don't know. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly enjoyed it and learned a lot. I hope you'll join us tomorrow. We've got some terrific guests lined up for you including uh, William Yateman, a senior legal fellow at the uh, Pacific Legal Foundation, Larry Bell, and Dodd professor at the University of Houston, uh, Mark Meckler is the uh, executive director of the Convention of States, and Michael Cannon, director of health policy studies, will be with us as well. I really appreciate your listening to the show, and if you enjoyed, I hope you pass the word on to friends and neighbors. That's one of the ways we support our advertisers, and we can't do the show without them.